Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, A Glimpse into Genetic Engineering. And today we are going to be talking about, usually we talk about like controversies and like bad aspects of genetic engineering, but this time, I know, shocker, we are going to be talking about some, mostly about some positives, which I know is shocking to listeners listening to this because throughout all episodes of this podcast so far we've been talking about the negative effects but no this time we're going to be talking mostly about positives because if you guys remember not not if you guys if you all because many of you like there are men and women so i'm going to say you all you all remember that i talked about Specifically that my opinion now is that genetic engineering shouldn't be done with exceptions, which are medical exceptions for diseases. So we're going to be researching about genetic engineering and diseases and gene therapy for diseases. Now, just for a little intro, we've talked about this briefly more on the episode about transgenic animals, because many times transgenic animals are done for to study disease models but now we're going to talk about specific gene therapy for human beings about diseases now sit back i mean maybe relax this one i mean i don't honestly (laughs) there's that phrase sit back relax but for this podcast it's never i'm like no don't relax just listen to this for once i know another shocker it's Instead of filming like at 6 p.m. and then I'm complaining the entire episode, no, it's morning. It's a very, it's a beautiful day, it's sunny, and now we're gonna start the podcast. Okay, so yeah, let's get started. Okay, now for some context, most of who is watching, if not all, know what a disease is. Now, if we just, because why not, go on to Google and search, of course, if my computer wants to work with me, okay, go on to your Google and, and, research, and go on, yeah, just go on to Google, okay, words are hard, go on to Google, I'm not taking credit for the term, for the phrase words are hard, I'm just saying the phrase. Okay, and you go on disease. And then the dictionary says, it's a disorder or structure or function in a human being, animal or plant, specifically one that produces specific signs or symptoms that affect a specific location and is not only a direct result of a physical injury. And it's a, or, there's another definition, a disease is a particular abnormal condition that negatively affects the structure or function of all or part of an organism and that is not due to an immediate external injury. Diseases are often known to be medical conditions and that are associated with specific signs and symptoms. Now inside this category there exists diseases where there aren't like come from external factors or environmental factors. There are certain diseases that are inherited when the child is born. Now some diseases of those diseases are in fact quite lethal and quite could really harm a person. In fact, the disease in general was 
is like in the negative connotation of harming people. Now, one example of that is, I don't know, um, there are many popular genetic, no, not popular, no, okay. And an example of that is cystic fibrosis. It's a well-known disease that occurs of a genetic mutation. And specifically with these genetic diseases, they most often occur with a genetic mutation occurring in someone's genes, causing the, what we said before, the abnormality that Google told us about. Now, though it can all, it's always a slight change, a slight defect, a slight mutation. And a mutation, it's, it occurs quite randomly. There is never really a specific reason as to why a mutation occurs. And it is quite, it can or be environmental, or it can just happen. There, there's never really a specific reasoning as to why those mutations happen. It occurs just randomly. It's like, kind of like the lottery, but in this case, it's like a, a negative lottery because many times mutations aren't for the best. They can, they many times cause problems. Now, I researched about this, and in fact, I found, because I could research about diseases and tell you all about different kinds of genetic diseases, but if you guys remember, this podcast is about genetic engineering. So with genetic engineering, what occurs is that you foc we are going to focus on the, f the changes, the fixing that they do with the dis these diseases. Now, note to all that are listening, there may be some background noise. I once again apologize. I remember I'm... <laughs> I'm kind of new to this. Honestly, I think I'm getting better. <laughs> like a little rant here. Um, honestly, I think I'm getting better at um, podcasting. Because if you guys remember before in the first episode, I was speaking like here and then you, your ears would basically blow up. But no, now I'm speaking here. Now it's easier and I'm not sleep fatigued, you know. But yes, there may be background noises behind me. But, you know... It's either this or I'm sleep fatigued, so it, we're just going with what we got here, okay? Now, continuing. And so with genetic engineering, what was one of most, the biggest selling points is that they can save people from these genetic diseases that are pretty lethal. They can save people from this by removing them. So then people, these people and their offspring wouldn't have it. Theoretically. Now, the thing about the offspring, they would have to change, make the change in the sexual cells. So then, like, because if they make it in the cells that are not the sexual cells, it won't be, it, their children may still have it. Now, to get more in depth, because I most probably am just talking about a bun bunch of things that you guys don't know. Or that you do. Not you guys, you all don't know. But you, you may most probably do. Now, let's just get into depth about the diseases and the gene therapy. Now, for this video, I selected three. No, four. I selected four because I, there's so many genetic diseases out there that it would take five, ten hours or more for me to properly explain every single one of them. So, um, yeah, I think... 
Now I'm gonna first name. Okay, so three of these sort, three of these, the information on th three of these gene therapy for three diseases come from videos on YouTube by ASGCT, which stands for American Society of Gene and Cell Therapy, a nonprofit medical organization in Milwaukee committed to comprehending gene and cell therapy and developing it to be applied, who has an, as another, another goal to promote professionals working on this and educate the public about this topic. Now, this like little definition comes from Google uh, or Wikipedia, I don't know. But you know when you just search up the term in Google and then that little description comes? That's what it is. Uh, and yeah, and it, in fact, if you go to their website, you can find clinical trials available for gene therapy are listed and the contacts are also listed there and where you can find them. Now, once again, this, <laughs> this podcast episode is not sponsored. It will never be sponsored. And... I'm not promoting anyone or any being or any organization, just as I am not wanting to offend or hurt anyone or any being or any organization or any country in this case. Now, um, the video about the first disease was posted on September 21st, 2020. And at the very end, some credits are included where they state, open quote, now this, now this little quote here, because they show it in images, so I kind of like abbreviate. Put I just put it into sentence form because it was put like in images, so I put it in sentence form. Quote: This video was supported in part through an unrestricted educational grant from 4DMT, Amicus Therapeutics, Avrobio, and Sangamo Therapeutics. Once again, I'm not sponsoring, not promoting any of these people or any of these co companies. I'm just stating what the video said. Um, and yeah, and it also says ASGCT is solely responsible for the content. Now, this first video and the first disease we're going to talk about is Fabry disease. Now, Fabry disease, for those who don't know, is a rare inherited disease that lacks the enzyme alpha-galactosidase A. I 100% spelled and pronounced that incorrectly. And basically what that lack of, what that enzyme causes is that it causes an accumulation of the GB3 fat in bodies and cell tissues. And, it and so some symptoms that can be seen by that is pain in extremities and skin rashes, which can later lead in, in rather dire cases to strokes, to heart loss, no, not, not heart loss, hearing loss, sorry, heart disease and kidney failure. Now, to cause this lack of the enzyme alpha-gal, which is the short term for alpha-galactosidase A, um, now what that, what, how that is caused is that there occurs in the mutation of GLA gene that instructs cells to make the enzyme alpha-gal A that naturally breaks down GB3. Now, GB3 is kind of like, as I said, a fat. Now, what happens is that because of a mutation in that GLA gene, the, the instructions to produce alpha-gal A 
are defective. So the body isn't able to produce alpha-gale, hence causing there to be an accumulation of GB3. Because alpha-gale is what really, alpha-gale is what really, um, what really breaks down the GB3 fat in the lysosomes. Now the lysosomes is kind of like the recycling center of the cell. So everything there is recycled, and if not, it really accumulates, and then that'd be very bad for you. And in this case, it would cause an accumulation. And exactly, an accumulation of GB3, since alpha-gal wouldn't be able to break it down. Um, and yeah, so the lysosomes would not be able to work properly, since there would be such an accumulation of the GB3 and they couldn't do anything about it because they're not able to produce alpha-gale. Now, for, there's no cure for Febrile disease, but there exist some treatments. And the most common one, there's two treatments for this one. Enzyme replacement therapy and oral therapy to aid some of the symptoms. And yeah, but the problem with these, specifically for the enzyme replacement therapy, is that there is, they would have to do it regularly and spend it, I think of the video even said, like two weeks. Every two weeks, you'd have to do an infusion. So a person's life would be basically in the hospital since they would, would never really, they would always have to be coming back and back and back to do the treatment. And for the oral therapy, no, it's not oral therapy, oral treatment, there's, it, it's only available to a specific group of individuals. So not everybody would be able to have this treatment, which is unfair. But unfortunately, that's kind of how it is. But it is unfair. Now, gene therapy is kind of like the ta-da of like the <laughs> genetic engineering. Because they're like, oh, we can fix this. We can cause, we can cause us, you know like um, promotions ads? They're like, oh, we can fix this. We can, um, we can make a solution. We can treat this, remove this only one time, and then the person won't will continue their life naturally. Maybe doing it twice, but not as many with the, as the enzyme treatment. Which yes is a pro, it's a plus. So then they don't have to spend like long time. But basically, how gene therapy in this case works is that they get a vector. Now a vector is kind of a really complicated name if I say so myself, but it does, it, it does rhyme, you know? It, it is, it's melodic, if you will, a vector. Now a vector is basically a virus, I know. Um, and of what this vector, it's like a virus, but the video repeats this. They remove the viral qualities of the virus and program the virus just to be like kind of the van. Imagine the van, imagine the vector is a van. It, again, it rhymes. Um, the, they, actually no, make it better. Imagine the vector is an ambulance, okay? So the vector is programmed to take and deliver therapeutic genes, therapeutic devices, if you will. So it, they program it to be only therapeutic, like delivery system. 
then be- because of that de- that programming that without having any viral qualities they can do it in two ways and why do they use a virus you ask which is a good question i do agree it it like why would you use a virus to try and fix something wouldn't that theoretically make things worse well they use a virus because viruses are well known for their capabilities of breaking inside cells so what scientists decide to do is that they decide to take that and use it for their own benefit if you will they take that remove the viral qualities and then the vector is able to break inside the cell and go to the nucleus then pretty similarly to crispr they don't okay here's the thing in this video they don't mention crispr like oh now they use crispr but it is kind of understood since crispr is like the easiest way to do this now you know what let's look let's do, let's do a quick google if you will crispr wait okay better do gene therapies use crispr Oh, does gene therapy use CRISPR? In short, I'm going to quote from the article, what is the difference between gene therapy and CRISPR? Open quote. In short, CRISPR-Cas9 is a molecular tool which can be used for, quote, gene therapy. We're still in the quote here, guys. CRISPR-Cas9 is able to deliver correct gene into the human genome to fix a defect gene. Close quote. Okay, so yeah, basically that's the exact same thing as we thought, as I said. Like, eyes they mentioned that the vector carries the correct okay wait <laughs> this is kind of complicated to explain out loud detailed there is the vector the van the ambulance whatever you want to call it the vector is there and after removing the viral qualities of the vector they put in the the functioning a f- piece of functioning dna in there So in this case of Fabry disease they would include functioning the functioning GLA gene in the vector for the vector to break inside the cells and put that G- that gene in so then alpha gal A is produced so to my understanding I'm guessing here because they don't mention that they it's kind of like crispr So then the one could say CRISPR is put into that vector and then the CRISPR process occurs and then it's fixed. They don't mention CRISPR, so I'm guessing here, okay? I may be completely wrong about this because the video didn't say. Now, this process of gene therapy can be done in two ways. They emphasize in this ways. It can be done in vivo, which is the treatment is delivered inside the body and how would that happen they'd get the vector inject the vector into a specific location in the person for example in i in the, this case the vector with the working gla gene is injected into the body one approach is to deliver them into liver cells which pass the enzyme into the breast stream or the working gene is delivered directly to the heart liver and kidneys and the other affected tissues in the liver method 
After going into the bloodstream, it would be passed down into other affected organs. So yeah, and then the other way is ex vivo, where the cells are modified outside the body then returned. And in the ex vivo method, they would remove a person's stem cells. Now stem cells are pretty cool, if I say so myself. Stem cells, they can become basically into any, other, any type of cell that the body needs. Imagine the body's like, oh, we need more blood cells. Stem cells can become blood cells. So they are pretty cool. And then what they do is that they get the stem cells, then they inject the, they put it into like a little petri dish, I'm, I'm guessing. They, they all, is it just me? Or do like, scientists just always use petri dishes. Dishes. Then they inject the vector, and then it becomes, then the functioning alpha-gal A is being produced in there. And then that cell is put back into the body, so then it would be continued, I'm guessing. Now, here's the thing. This video was pretty much an overview of this. And since I, was, I wanted to also talk about four other diseases, I didn't want it to make be super detailed because you know I already guys I already make like an hour podcast I don't want to make it two hours though it would be cool it'd be a, I, it would be an interesting accomplishment so yeah but the thing with the ex vivo is it like now it's just a question in general is it like the thing I'm confused about ex vivo is would putting one functioning cell into the body cause that to rep- like reproduce I mean maybe Honestly, because there's some cells that can cut themselves in half, you know, so they can they make an exact replica of themselves. But would that trait still be passed on? Interesting questions here and against uh, genetic genetic engineering. Okay, so yeah, I'm just making questions for y'all to think because we need to think, guys. You know, let's think, let's think, let's think, let's understand the world better and honestly i'm just making questions so then because you have to be inquisitive if you will so yeah now they also mentioned that this fabry disease in particular is let me see wait oh yeah they mentioned that this fabry disease that researchers are still researching in preclinical trials on animals than on human trials to make sure they are safe. Now, honestly, shout out to these scientists because they can't just start be like, oh, we can cure diseases without doing anything. You know, they can't just be like, oh, we can cure this disease with just gene therapy. But they can't just give it out to public without actually testing it first since that'd be stupid because lots of things could go wrong. We need to make sure things are safe before that. However, the thing that I'm kind of bugged by this statement, when they say researchers are still researching preclinical trials on animals than on human trials to make sure they're safe. Why on animals? This is animal abuse. Like, did the animals ask to be tested on? Did they? But then again, where would they do it otherwise? I don't know, but just don't do it on animals. Like, I think that philosophical moment here, alert. I think that many times humans want to be like, oh no, great, we're gonna test it to make sure it's safe. But they never really, 
they never really take that to tea, if you will. They, um, what they do is like, they kind of do that. For example, they were like, oh, we're going to test it on, we're going to make sure it's safe for humans, don't worry. But then the problem is, how will you, like, why should the animals be tested on, and why should the animals, like, have to suffer the consequences of something that's dangerous? Like, it's, it kind of goes with the old phrase, treat others how you want to be treated. And, yeah, I mean, okay, now we're going to go to a quick break to talk about the next one. Okay, and also another note that someone brought my attention. Just like in our transgenic animals video, I'm sorry for this, these noises in the background. Um, in the transgenic animals, like, remember that they, u they use specific animals for it. Like, a lot of animals, specifically like, you know, rats or mice, are tested on. But now, it's like, even in, like, primate research is becoming a big thing. And especially in some countries, in some, uh, in some countries where they are, re they are they're researching on primate genetic engineering since, like, you know, primates are kind of like one could consider humans' closest relative. Now, again, I'm not shaming anyone. I'm just stating this. I'm just saying that I personally think that all experimentation done on animals, no matter which animal it is, no matter if they're close to human beings or not, just all animals in general that are experimented on for genetic engineering, I don't think that's morally correct, but who else are we going to test it on? Which, like, it's, then it gets really controversial. So yeah, now I'll just go to the next segment. Okay, so the next disease that we're going to talk about its gene therapy is about Pompeii, Pompeii, Pompeii disease, Pompeii. Wait, let me look on Google. How how to how to pronounce Pompeii? Pampa. Pampa disease. Pampa. Oh my god, this is Pampa. Oh my god, it's so cool. No, not Pampa. not the disease. I'm talking about Pampa. Google being able to pronounce it. Pampa. Pampa. It's Pampa. Okay. Pampa. And even in Google it says glycogen storage disease type two disorder. Which is correct. Now that a Pampa disease is when Bodies lack the digestive enzyme, alpha-glucosidase, or GAA for short. I'm, most pro I'm certain that I pronounced that incorrectly. And this lack of this enzyme is due to the inherited defect of the GAA gene that instructs the body to produce the GAA enzyme. Now, when this GAA is not able to do its job, it causes a problem since the GAA's normal job when it's functioning is to break down complex molecules like glycogen and when glycogen one could be like oh glucose kind of 
honestly, glycogen is a substance that helps our body store energy, which one could say is similar to glucose, since glucose is the energy, if you will. But glycogen isn't like the energy itself, it's like helps the body store energy. Now, this process of normal comp like storing of energy and breaking down of complex molecules such as glycogen, it occurs in the lysosomes. Again, the lysosomes is like the stage for this. Now, the lysosomes, as we mentioned earlier, are like small compartments or like the recycling center that takes care of the waste. And in this case, it takes care of the extra glycogen, not only as like breaking down the GB3. Now, if the glycogen accumulates, just like the GB3, the lysosomes can't do their job, leading to tissue damage and eventual organ failure if the person leaves this untreated. Now, this information comes from the video, Pompa Disease and Gene Therapy. Also, this for, okay, note, first segment was all about all the information was cited from the video Fabry disease and gene therapy. I, this is not my information. I'm not take, wanting to take credit for it. This is not mine. These, this information comes from there. Now, yeah. Um, and some treatments of this could be muscle weakness, um, enlarged heart, trouble breathing, or even trouble gaining or maintaining weight. The progression of this disease varies, can have infantile and adult versions, and in fact can lead to premature death, unfortunately. And again, unfortunately, there's no cure. Enzyme replacement therapy varies from effectiveness with each person. And as mentioned earlier, it has lifelong administrations. And the gene therapy for Pompa disease is in its early stages of research and can vary from the effectiveness with each person and has lifelong administration. And just like the other one, the process comes with the vector where the healthy version of the faulty, the healthy, the healthy and functional version of the faulty gene is put into the vector to instruct the cells to produce the enzyme, eliminating the need for the enzyme replacement therapy since they could produce their own enzyme. And the current in vivo method, which we talked about earlier, is currently in clinical trials. And in the in vivo, it is specifically injected into the, into the vein, and the vector deliv delivers the functioning gene to key organs, like the liver, heart, brain, and key muscles, so that they can make the GAA enzyme and there won't be a lack or need of it. No, there won't be a lack of it. It'll always be needed. Now, again, the ex vivo approach is done via infusion. Now, this, this disease is in preclinical study phase, which, as mentioned earlier, is a step to find safety and effectiveness in animals to then proceed to testing human trial. Okay, now at the beginning of this episode, I was like, oh, yes. Gen genetic engineer gene therapy for diseases is pretty cool, and I still think that. But I just don't think what's so cool is that they're testing this on animals. Because if it goes, if it works, great, fantastic. But it may not work. And then the animals will have to suffer because of that, which is not okay. So, yeah, I mean, that is 
with Pampa disease. Now, the thing is, um, sorry, wait. Okay, sorry, my, my earbud fell off. Okay, here's the thing. I do think it's like good that they're trying to solve this. This should be solved. People shouldn't die prematurely, like with Pampa disease. But what about the animals that are being tested on? Like, what about them, you know? Should they be, have to go through this? Should they have to be, deal with the negative effects? Do they have to deal with the possible failure of this experiment or, and of these clinical trials? Like, they're just, as, they're just as much living beings as we are. It's like, it's like, um, all human beings matter, you know? But then all animals do matter as well. We, we all matter. Because, sorry, okay. This pun was not intended because matter, you know, like, matter science. Sorry, pun was not intended. I, it, I just came across it, okay? But seriously, this is something serious. And even though I'm kind of making, I found that I made a pun unknowingly, this is a serious topic that should be aborted seriously. But sometimes when it's serious, people tend to avoid it. So try and include a couple of little good humor in it. Not good humor. Just a couple of more easing of the tension. Though the tension should be here because this is serious. This isn't something you should play around with. So yeah. Now the next one we're going to talk about is hemophilia. Now hemophilia is a disease where it's a rare genetic disorder that prevents blood from clotting properly and leads to the prolonged external bleeding that can occur from injuries bruises or any type of other operation such as like dentists operation or even surgery so yeah um now hemophilia one could okay let me just see so then because i have an idea but i don't want to be saying like incorrect things now okay yeah, okay, I'm just gonna research this and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. Um, and okay, my, my, what I was thinking was correct. So thrombosis is kind of like, not thrombosis, hemophilia. It's kind of like of the opposite of thrombosis. Thrombosis is like a blood clot and hemophilia is, the, is a rare genetic disorder that prevents blood from clotting properly and leads to prolonged external bleeding that can occur spontaneously from injuries, bruises, or any operation, like dentist or surgery, as I already said. Now, what can be even, what now, what can be even more troubling is that, um, that with hemophilia, not only will the bleeding be out external and bleed for a while, but it could be internal bleeding, which is very dangerous. Deep bleeding in joints and muscles can lead to permanent disability or life-threatening if the damage occurs to organs.
So in this case, as I mentioned, the mutation occurs in the vital genes for clotting factors. So the genes that are vital for clotting factors in this case are de defective. And now just for some context, clotting factors are proteins in the blood that helps bo the, blood, the body stop bleeding. And in the video, in the video, Hemophilia and Gene Therapy by ASGCT, um, there are 20 types of defined clotting factors. So different deficiencies are caused by different genetic, genetic defects. So clotting fact, no, hemophilia A is a mutation in the gene that creates a deficient amount of clotting factor 8. And hemophilia B is a deficiency in clotting factor 9. Now, the most efficient therapy for hemophilia is um, where they put clotting factor replacement through infusions. But just as enzyme replacement infusions, these infusions are required throughout a lifetime. So it would, it would not only be really costly, but like the person wouldn't really be able to really, you know, live outside the hospital. Now, again, with this one, gene therapy could be a one-time treatment, and it would be delivered via vector. But for the A and B hemophilia types, um, the vector is targeted to the person's liver via infusion. Now, the liver is a really important organ for creating various elements in our blood, like clotting factors 8 and 9. With hemophilia, that gene that produces these factors is defective or absent, as we already said. With gene therapy, the liver once, can once again produce these factors, which is then circulated through in the blood to prevent bleeds. Now, yeah, that's like, okay, again, this information comes from the video. I'm not taking this information. And so then I'm not regurgitating this information. It's like, honestly, with all honestly, with all honesty, the, you know, liver, I would, I've never really exactly knew what the f their function is, which honestly, the, I, I learned something new today, which is that, like, the liver is really important, and it needs, and it's responsible for creating elements in our blood, and without it, we c a person could have as serious as a, dis a disease as hemophilia. And with gene therapy, the liver can once again produce these facts and work for, and work as it should. Now, here's the thing: with gene therapy, they would have to do it um, at a certain time. They should not. It's honestly, they don't know exactly when it should be done since this is in its clinical trials. So the current clinical trials are only with adults since the liver grows from when someone's little to compared to when they're older and an adult their liver grows kind of like proportionally with them and they're currently monitoring monitoring gene therapy um in clinical trials until they can prevent people from bleeding but if they do they are able to really just do their normal treatment so this honestly all these gene therapies are really in the works because as we have constantly said throughout these episodes G genetic engineering is like a very new technology. It's like in its infancy, as said by empirical. As said by not by empirical, um, 
who said it exactly wait i'm looking for it i said doctor with all oh, this technology is in in its infancy i said dr goldsboro okay now we're gonna go to another quick break till then i because honestly i'm gonna be around talking for an hour so my voice is already like Bleh. so yeah let's go a quick break Okay, now that we're back from this quick break, um, we are going to be talking about the next segment. And in this next segment, we're going to be talking and discussing about another disease, gen genetic disease, called Severe Combined Immunodeficiency, also known by its acronym SCID. Now, this slideshow um, this source is a slideshow presentation, and it has many references to .gov websites and a, one video on YouTube, in fact, that we're going to be talking about later. Now, SCID is a genetic disorder where a mutation occurs in different genes that are responsible for the development and function of immune cells. Children that are born with SCID are they like they look like cute little babies, you know, like they're like they look like normal kids. But in fact, they're very weak against diseases, and they could, and they in fact could lose their life with life-threatening infections. But what makes this different is that one, they could do an infection with, like, imagine a little cold that can become something so big since their immune system isn't able to defend itself. So they could, it could be life-threatening. Now, people with SCID have an abnormal white cells, non-functioning B cells, and a low number of T cells. There exists, cell, there exists various different types of SCID. There exists X-linked SCID, whereas, and these types of SCID often have to do with, like, with, it often has to do with, like, the mutation where it occurs. So in this case, there exists X-linked SCID, specifically in the <laughs> IL2RG gene, where if a boy in it, where the, okay, so what this means is that this specific gene in, this specific gene, um, where this specifically occurs to people, okay, Wait, rephrase this because I kind of got stuck. Um, so there exists X-linked SCID, specifically in the IL2RG gene. So basically what that means is that the mutation that leads to SCID is linked to the X chromosome, since that's the, like, the name of it. But it's, so basically a girl, for example, if a girl inherits the X chromosome with this mutation, she wouldn't, it wouldn't be dominant. She'd only be carrier of it. However, if a boy inherits it, the boy will have it because as you may remember, as you may recall from the basics of genetics, girls have two X chromosomes, boys have one X and one Y. So, if a boy inherits the X chromosome, he will have skid. But there is also autosomal recessive skid which is where both parents carry the mutated genes. So the child kind of becomes homozygous recessive. 
Now we're speaking about various different genetic terms, just for, so then you all understand. Homo, each person for each trait usually has, inherits one trait from each parent. So then theoretically they'd have two traits. And each trait is like one is dominant and the other is recessive. So some, when they show up, you know, they show up. When that person has that trait, oh, they're, that trait's going to be presented no matter what. But if they inherit two recessive traits, that means that they will, own, they will have another trait that could be hidden, a more rarer trait, if you will, which could backfire in such situations, just like in this, like in this one. And in, so the child becomes homozygous recessive. Homozygous recessive is when the child inherits both recessive rare traits, which, as I said, could backfire. Not, it could be like, oh, rare blue eyes. But in, in some cases, it can become something quite dangerous, such as these, this. And, and a quote from the slideshow is that, uh, explaining autosomal recessive. Auto, the autosomal recessive skid is most known by the ADA deficiency, which is another mutation, which is an inherited disorder damaging the immune system and causing acid where kids lack the ADA enzyme to produce T cells. And then there also is SCID that is specific, specifically in the JAK3 gene in chromosome 19 is mutated. Which, there, which is a problem since the JAK3 is very important since it instructs how to make a protein that is vital for the immune system and their development. So with SCID, there are a few treatments a lot, like to solve it. We have immune restoring treatments, blood forming stem cell transplants, and en enzyme therapy, and drum roll. That's a really bad drum roll. But gene therapy, obviously, since this, this whole thing's about gene therapy, so obviously gene therapy would in, be in there. <coughs> so, yeah, now, more into the gene therapy with, about this. Uh, there's a video that I'm going to try to link into this, the description, that is pretty interesting, where they talk about severe combined immunodeficiency gene therapy um, treatment. So, yeah, let's get to it. Okay, so in the video, which is called Gene Therapy for Excellent Skid, Max Agit, um, it, his story is discussed. And Max Agit, he has severe, he has skid, um, and specifically Excellent Skid. And then they talk about um, the clinical trial he did in relation to gene therapy. And the gene therapy he did was, um, was ex vivo gene therapy. Now, remember... Ex vivo is when cells are modified outside of the body, then they are returned. So in this case, they took his stem cells from his bone marrow, they took them, they took them out, and then they added um, a vector with the f f corrected gene for the X-linked skin. Which in this case, if you guys remember from the slideshow source, um, for the X-linked skid, there's mutation in the IL2RG gene. So they inside the vector, they put the corrected functioning IL2RG gene. So then he, he theoretically would get better. And they 
and then they also talk about then after they have done that they put it back in yeah, infusion for 10 minutes and then they talk about the results and they say that it was surprising because at first he had a spike in IgM now for those who don't know IgM and IgG are types of antibodies okay so he had um he had um, a spike in IgM. Wait, I'm just searching up something. So yeah, he had a spike in IgM, and then his IgG levels grew to a point that he didn't need any more infusions. Because for someone with Ig, with skid, you have a lot of, um, as a possible solution, there is um, immune restoring treatments, and also they have like infusions of antibodies to try to, you know, bring up the antibody level in the person and the patient. So, yeah, that's what was currently happening with him. And then he had a spike in IgM, but then it kind of lowered. And then IgG kind of stayed, and then it grew to a point that he didn't need it anymore, which is actually pretty interesting and surprising and pretty remarkable as well for him to get better so quickly. And so yeah, now IgM is uh, also known as immunoglobulin M. It's one of the several types, it's like a type of antibody and it is the largest antibody out of all of them. It's, it's kind of like a it's kind of like um, a pentagon, if you will. It has like five little lines. And whenever there is um, an infection or an infection, it's the first antibody to appear. And it's, its action is what really... And it's the first one to show up when there's an infection. It's kind of like the antibody that starts the show, if you will. In IgG is called immunoglobulin G, and it is a type of antibody that is created and released by the plasma B cells. So, what would be interesting to see, and also it's the most common antibody found in blood circulation. Now, this little definition about IgM and IgG come from Wikipedia, okay? Um, now, what's interesting is that since IgG is created by plasma B cells, remember that in in skid, they don't have any B cells. So what's interesting to see is that it actually worked. Because for him to have IgG antibodies, he would have to have B cells. But, and the B cells would have to function to produce IgG. But with skid, B cells don't function correctly. So... What's amazing that is that the treatment gene therapy worked. He has now functioning B, B cells, which is really interesting that it worked. It's like, and he even mentioned at the end, he's just living his life. He's kind of like living his best life. He is really taking care of himself. And it's honestly quite amazing to see how these things work. I know I'm being positive towards genetic engineering. I know it's crazy. But, yeah, it's actually, it's so cool, I th if I personally think. So, yeah, that was skit gene therapy.
And also this video, which is Gene Therapy for X-Link Skid, comes it's a YouTube video posted on YouTube in the YouTube channel N-I-A-I-D. And yeah, it was posted on August 15th, 2016. So most probably this, te- this technology has developed and continued a bit. So yeah, let, now let's go to the conclusion because that was the fourth disease that we were discussing in gene therapy. Welcome to the conclusion. This conclusion did come like later, meaning that the publication of this episode also came later, like much later. (laughs) But I do apologize. However, because of that, you guys are going to get two in one, two episodes in one weekend. Like, but before that, I think in conclusion, this episode kind of help me understand how gene therapy and which is like an aspect of gene editing is like really can be really positive in like all the case studies we talked about which it's a new perspective to look at and it kind of makes me think about gene editing differently because of that so yeah i mean honestly it's like if you learn something new you realize new perspectives which further establishes my opinion that gene editing is should not be used with the exception of curing diseases with gene therapy after it is proved to not cause any harm so yeah um this is the episode i hope you enjoyed i do apologize for the delay but yeah See you guys later. Okay, now, just like last episode, I have a quick note. I don't think many of you are going to be listening, but again, it's another note. Um, it's quick. So, any, with any opinion, statement, or sentence, or anything I said in general... During this episode, I when, I when I said them, I had no intentions and still have no intention whatsoever to hurt, offend, or criticize anyone or any being or any country or any institution or any generalized group of people. I That was not in my intentions whatsoever. I didn't was not insinuating anything throughout this episode. Um, yeah. I've not been insinuating anything or I did not mean to hurt or offend anyone. And I hope I didn't because that wasn't at all in my intentions or I don't want to make anyone angry. I am just saying what I think, what it, which is in my human rights. But know that I have no intention of hurting or offending or criticizing anyone or any being or any institution or any country or any generalized group of people for their actions. No, I am just saying what I think, which is in my human rights. Therefore, yes. And also, I'm sorry. I did not want to hurt or offend anyone. Not at all my intention. I'm so sorry if I did. I did not mean to. Okay, so see you all next week. Okay, so another note, just like last time. The sources and, like, sources referenced in... This podcast are going to be 
put in the description. Also, by the way, there is no sponsoring being done in this video. This video or no, not this video. This episode and podcast in general isn't sponsored. There's no sponsoring occurring here. I'm not promoting anything or anyone. So, yeah. Check it out if you want to learn more. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not being like, oh, because they pay me to do it. They're not paying me to do it. Just, if you want to learn more about it, the sources are in the description. If not, do what do what you do what you want only if it doesn't hurt other human beings. Just just do what you want if it doesn't hurt any other being. Okay? So yeah. Um yeah, see you guys next as I said, see you guys later. And yeah, remember this isn't sponsored. <laughs> so see you guys later. See you later. Honestly, I could say it many different ways, but yeah. See you later. <laughs> You guys are tired of me for the week. See you later.